welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne, as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Welcome to our 20th episode of the Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I am your host, Alexandros Megas. And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne. And today I had a question for you, my friend. Usually you ask the questions, but today I am going to ask a question. And it's a very serious one, so I want you to consider it. Well, you're allowed to ask a question every 20 episodes, so that's right. So I'm exercising my privilege. Good, good. And so here it is. The question is, are you happy? Am I happy? I suppose uh, in this moment, I, I think I probably am. But I know that maybe in an hour's time, I mightn't be, <laughs> depending on how this podcast goes. Yeah, I suppose I, I struggle with... Um, the idea of happiness, and I've never really cracked it. Um, I know that it's something that is put out there by mainstream media um, to sell things, but I think it does a huge amount of damage in relation to people's expectations of how they should be feeling. And so I've been, since I started to become a little bit uh, more aware and understanding of it, I've I've become very wary of the idea of happiness and the what was it the old the Will Smith movie that he was in uh, in search of happiness and uh, so I, I actually think it's quite dangerous. I'm I'm more inclined to go with Mark Manson's idea that um, you know life is is more about overcoming struggle and challenge and that when you do you get a a sense of satisfaction a sense of happiness maybe but it's always very short-lived so so as it stands at the moment i think where i am i'm probably happy but um i know it could change well so here i i would expect you to actually answer this with another question um but what does happiness mean right exactly because how else would you be able to define something sure i mean we would have to agree upon our definition of happiness because it's like you know it's it's a very vague concept mm. and not only is it a very vague concept but it's a very vague concept that has every single human being on this planet uh chasing after it and no wonder nobody can find it because they don't know what they're chasing after, right? And uh, 
you know, it's not like I'm asking you, hey, do you like Corvettes? You know, are you a Gibson or a Fender kind of guy? <laughs> Mac or PC? No, I'm asking you something that uh, is actually more, I think, more vague than asking the question, do you believe in God? Which is vague as all hell, no pun intended. Mm. So, so I would expect you to say, well, I don't know. What do you define as happiness? And I think that the vast majority of the people who have accepted their life as it is, and by that I mean they don't question it, uh, are after some kind of uh, strange model of, of happiness, which I would venture to say that it is uh, a distorted version of, of joy of what we collectively think of as, uh, you know, what joy means. Because mm. uh, I think this is, this is where those two words, they get mixed up. And, and they get very misunderstood by most people because they, for all intents and purposes, they act as if they were synonymous. Yeah, I mean, I think um, happiness generally is, is, is assumed to be a, some kind of perpetual state or certainly a continuous state, whereas joy is almost seen as related to a moment or related to an incident. And I think in that sense, I think most people would make that distinction. However, I think there is a concept peddled in the world, which is that we should be happy or we aim to be happy. Um, and certainly everything, I mean, one of the things that, that disturbs me is that I think since, the, since social media has kind of pushed itself in on everyone's live over the last maybe five years is that the concept amongst young people in particular as to having a sense of failure or a sense of lack of fulfillment is comes from the fact that they're continually observing people who are pushing out these false images of how their lives are going. And they think, well, those people are happy. Why am I not happy? I mean, I've had conversations with my kids who are all in their 20s at this stage who are clever enough to understand what's going on, but at the same time, they are impacted by this constant message of you need to be happy, you need to be happy, you need to be happy. And, and a little bit like the programming that we've talked about before, it does get in on you and it does create a situation where if you're not feeling in a constantly good state, then there's something wrong with you. And I think that's the source of a huge amount of probably anxiety and depression in the world, in particular among, amongst younger people. Right. So again, once again, neuro-linguistic programming, right? Mm. The system is throwing a hook on you. Yeah. And you are chasing after that hook for the rest of your life. I mean, isn't it crazy that this, this statement is actually part of the, at least of the American ideal, right? What is it? The yeah. pursuit of happiness. 
the, pers- mm. the, the pursuit of happiness. So it, it is part of what makes you American to completely and constantly be chasing yeah. right, after something that you don't even know what the fuck it means. Yeah. And it's enshrined in the Constitution. <laughs> so that must mean it's a thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Because that seems cruel to me. That, mm. It seems like someone is screwing with your head from the get-go. Mm. You know, you're born, and then you're supposed to be pursuing that thing that nobody even knows what it is. And you're in pursuit of something, right? How can you be at peace with yourself ever Mm. you are in pursuit of happiness man and that bitch is so ever elusive (laughs) to try to find her you don't know where she is yeah so first of all i in my personal opinion which doesn't mean much i understand but i don't think happiness and joy are synonymous they were made to to feel and sound synonymous, but they're not. Happiness is supposed to be something that has to do with fulfilling a deeper mission that you come into this life to fulfill. So happiness is not you, you know, being like hanging out uh, with the chicks and and snorting coke and, and, and feeling blissful all the time. Right, that's not, that's being joyful. That's partying. But happiness and partying, I believe, are two entirely different things. Right? It is all about finding the, the anchor within you. Finding that thing that becomes your, your center and then nourishing that. Happiness is not about getting excited because you got a promotion or getting you know, really joyful because your life is one big party. Because if that were the case, then all the people that were actually getting all these things would be happy. And it doesn't seem like it's the case, right? I mean, rock stars or, you know, whatever, millionaires or people that are born into luxury and having everything they possibly could want for, these people should be happy, right? But they're not. So then... It is clear that happiness and joy are two entirely different things. Mm. Now, I don't know <coughs> what the accepted definition, like the, the Webster's definition of what happiness is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is something that uh, has to do with joy. I didn't even look it up, to be honest. <clears throat> but of course, now everyone is going to, everyone who listens to us, that is. So... Another thing that comes to mind is the, the dreams. It's like, I'm chasing my dreams. You know, always be chasing your dreams. I keep hearing that from people that are very entrepreneurial. And I think Gary V actually has posted that. I'm always chasing my dreams. <laughs> and, and I actually posted a comment on, I don't know, it was like a couple of months ago. I don't know where he posted that. And I commented on it. I'm like, no, not me. I'm catching them. I'm not interested in chasing my dreams. Mm. (laughs) Now you, on the other hand, you go chase them. Because chasing your dreams (laughs) does not 
guarantee catching them, you mm. see. And catching them, I think, it, with my very poor cognitive skills, catching something instead of chasing it would be a more desirable outcome, right? Mm. But, but once again, people don't understand that you know, people are like, oh, you're being too literal. You know, what kind of an asshole are you? But, and then, of course, people that get into the law of attraction and all this kind of wonderful stuff, right? They, they, they go and they, they listen to the gurus telling them, the universe is very literal. <laughs> the universe, be very careful about what it is that you're asking and how it is that you phrase that which you're asking, Right? Well, if the universe is literal and then you're being a vague a-hole, what are you getting back from the universe then? Right? I mean, <laughs> are we talking about the same stuff here? Because everyone needs to manifest something in their lives. I think that this is the game. Hmm. <laughs> that's the game, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's the game. Everyone needs to manifest something in their lives. So they go about using some cliche um, phrases that are being fed, you know, and, and they expect that this stuff is not going to affect their outcome. And, and this is one of the reasons why people, most people cannot even fathom what it is that makes this law of attraction thing tick. I mean, what is it that makes it work? And what is it that doesn't make it work? You know, we talk about that, the universe, you know, whatever the universe is, provides. Maybe, but in order for the universe to provide, the universe has to know what it is that it needs to provide. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like the people using the phrase, I'm going to try to do something versus I'm right. going to do something. Or I'm doing something, rather. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's a, there's a sense though that um, I think with all these areas, they're, they're, um, there's some value in, for, to someone in keeping everything very vague. Because when you talk about selling something and it bringing you some kind of happiness or bringing you some kind of joy, the fact that the outcome of happiness and joy is so vague means that it's very easy to justify the impact that whatever it is you're selling can have. So I think people keep it purposely vague. And I think that when people talk about being happy, as we said at the start, uh, we, we don't actually know what we're talking about. We believe that it's some state of nirvana that whereby nothing bad ever happens and that we have everything that we want and nothing goes wrong, yes. Uh, and the problem is, and you mentioned people who are rich or people who, who uh, were born into riches, why is it that they're not happy? I think part of the problem is that in order to understand what joy or happiness is, you have to know the opposite. You have to experience the opposite. So therefore, the idea of a constant state of everything going well is probably more likely to drive you insane. Whereas seeing contrasts of things going well and things um, not go going so well, 
are actually what's needed in order to ensure that we have some kind of perspective. We're actually able to say that was good and that wasn't so good. And by virtue of being able to identify both, we're then able to identify the difference and get some kind of positive or negative feeling from it. But we, we think when we you know, buy that lottery ticket, that that lottery ticket, when we win, is going to solve all our problems. And that's the way that it's portrayed to us. So you win the, the, the big prize, you will be happy, you will have everything you need. And the reality as we know it is that most lottery, ticket, lottery winners um, lose the money that they, they make very, very quickly because they just didn't know how to handle it. And they just didn't know how to deal with the situation of having everything that they could potentially buy. But I think the difficulty, the insidiousness is in the vagueness because that's what's being used. When you see, the, when you see advertising here for lottery tickets, it's always geared towards showing you the big house or being in that exotic island or having all these fabulous people around you. But it's ultimately very vague because they don't really want you to know. They don't really want you to ask any deep questions. They just want you to buy a ticket. And then in, within our understanding of what happiness is, because it's so vague, we go out and we do things like we buy that 72-inch TV set or we buy those whatever Prada shoes or handbags or whatever it is that you're into. We keep buying these shiny things all of the time because we think that that's going to make us happy. And the problem is that it's just another short hit of Coke or whatever your drug of choice happens to be. And it lasts just as long. Well, it lasts as long as it takes until the credit card bill comes in and you realize, oh shit, <laughs> I've just increased my debt. So like if we, if we were to try and put some kind of perspective on what happiness is and even what joy is, what, what, um, where, where can we go to clarify that for people? Well, okay, let's attempt that. Before I talk about that, it's important to realize that language is a program. Language is creating, language is creating programs. Mm. Language is, and of course we've talked about that before, mm. right? It, when, you, when you write something down, right? What are you doing? You're spelling. It's a spell. It's a magical spell. Now for most people, this is too far-fetched and it's like, oh, come on, man, really? But these people who would have this kind of uh, reaction to it don't know anything about manifesting and, and creating magic. And by magic, once again, I'm not talking about pulling rabbits out of hats. I'm talking about creating and manipulating reality because reality is not that thing that we are experiencing on a daily basis, you know, that 3D stuff. Mm. I mean, it is, it's, it's some kind of version of reality. It's some kind of an outcome, you know, in the same sense where, you know, if you put on a, you know, get strapped with an electric guitar and plug it into the amplifier and you start playing, you know, whatever, if, if that sounds like 
Jimi Hendrix or sounds like cacophony uh, is this is the, the direct result of what you put into this sort of thing. So as far as the performer, the magician part of you, you are here to manifest something. You are here to, as far as I'm concerned, to understand something, to, uh, to put things together, to, to have some kind of understanding of what it is that you are. We're looking to find out who we are and why we're here. You know, the, the most impactful question ever for anyone who has been a thinker, right? Uh, throughout the history of humanity, that is the question. Who are we? And what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. So going back to the, to the happiness part, this is what I believe happiness is tied into. Happiness is the moment where you start, even in a very frivolous and shallow way, taking the baby steps towards understanding a little bit of what it is that you're here to do. What is it here to be? What prompted you, who is a spirit, really, eternal spirit, to condense itself to such a degree where you have to play by some kind of ridiculous laws and rules that make the game so much more difficult and so much more painful? And you agreed to do that. Why? That's the question. So the more you start getting the clues of what made you do this, the more you are starting to then become conscious of who you are, of who you really are. And what is it to become conscious of who you are? It's to stop having the majority of your life being run by programs that are destructive. They're programs that we acquire and that we create based on our initial and ever-evolving condition. These programs are the viruses. We have talked about that too. The viruses that we accumulate and then, based on the viruses that we accumulate, when we start the journey, right, up until approximately the seventh year of age, we are putting down the foundation code. You know, we're like a coding. And we're putting this code down of what the future operating system will be for this particular computer. So according to that code, everything after that period gets created so that it matches our initial the initial programming, the initial conditioning. And this is why it is so hard for people to escape that initial conditioning, especially if these people have been uh, traumatized, you know, victimized, abused, or whatever, anything that has to do with a major psychic wound, I guess you might say. So it is so hard because if you are putting down the initial programming of the machine and that initial programming is to make everything chaotic 
like it says, if you know, oh, let me open Photoshop. And instead of opening Photoshop, you, you get all kinds of programs, you know, kind of all kinds of viruses kind of, you know, pop up windows and all this kind of stuff you know, happening where it just drives you crazy and you can never get anything done. If your computer, if your software, if your operating software was created like that, then anything, what could come out of this? Unless you could just find a way to get in there and start it to restructure that code that went wrong in the beginning, there's the only thing that you will create is more chaos in your life. So, so is it your, your perspective that, um, that what we have within those first years is chaos? That it's, it's, it's essentially the programming that happens during that time, unbeknownst to our parents and the people that are around us. That's what sets us up and that effectively creates a situation where the journey thereafter for people to try and find the meaning in their lives is to undo all of that programming and try and get it onto a track, which is more about who we are and what we're here for. Is, is that what we're saying? That's right. And, and the other question that comes up is, is it fair to say that whether it's our main purpose or whether it's one of the main purposes, it's to learn how to manifest and create? Is, is that fair? To, that that, that, that sure. is one of the things that we need to learn uh, in this well, life. We need, we need to learn how to... We always manifest things. You know, there's, sure. okay. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to learn when it comes to manifesting outside of the fact that uh, you have to learn to manifest what you want. Yes, you have to learn how to do it consciously, that it is a power right. and not right. just something that happens. It's, it's happening without you knowing it at the moment and you need to move to a place where actually this is a power that I can influence and I can create things intentionally, but it's moving from that place of not knowing that you, you have this to that position that's part of the journey. Exactly. So first, you have to realize what it is that you have created uh, in those formative years. Okay. You have created something that either really, it really works for you or it doesn't. Because everything that happens right after that, it's important to realize this. Everything that happens in our lives right after that is in some way or form related to the operating software we created within the yeah. first seven years. Yeah. And this is where people talk about limiting beliefs, right? Where mm. do those come from? Like, what, how would you create a limiting belief out of nowhere if it wasn't in your makeup? Mm. Right? The limiting belief is a faulty program. And why would you? Or, or it was a program which was, which was created in a particular situation for our benefit at that time, but it has, because of the way it was created, it has generalized into something which has now become destructive. Right. Because well, is it not a case that, that what we typically create in those first seven years, they're all been created from a perspective of well, we're doing it to protect ourselves. We're doing it to survive. It's just that 
the circumstances in which we create them or the way in which we generalize them afterwards, they then can work against us. But why, why would you need to create a program that would protect you if you didn't feel that you're under some kind of threat in the first place? Sure. So, so I'm saying when these things happen, when these programs are put in place within these first seven years, approximately, then th these programs are a response to generally traumatic events. And again, traumatic event doesn't have to be, you know, dramatic. It doesn't mm. have to be like some super kind of like, oh my God, you know. Yeah. It, it can be anything that our emotional cosmos, the subconscious mind will perceive as traumatic. Yeah. You know, like, oh, daddy doesn't want to play with me. <laughs> Daddy's trying to <laughs> finish the work so he can get paid, right? Feed his family. And and the kid is like, well, you know, daddy, you come on, let's play, let's play. Oh, no, I can't, honey, I can't right now. I'm sorry. Just give me a few minutes. And, and, and of course, you know, the kid, oh, daddy doesn't want to, daddy, daddy, daddy never wants to play with me. Mm. It, well, something's wrong with me or daddy doesn't love me all that much, you know? Mm. And I, I, I had that. <laughs> as a dad or as the, the kid? As a kid. Mm, yeah. 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 Me too, as a dad. <laughs> But because I'm, I'm always, because everything I do, I'm, I'm obsessive about, right? It's, it's, it's an obsession for me. It's like I never do, and this is because I had to, deroot a lot of my initial programming and and put in new programming in its place uh, I always progressively more and more as a matter of fact as time goes by I do less of the things that I don't want to do and more of the things that I do want to do and because I have so many things that I love to do in so many different areas creative things primarily yeah I, I'm always occupied with something. So, so my kid, my daughter is like, daddy, this, daddy, that. And, you know, of course, <laughs> when you're in a trance and I get into that kind of trance all the time. Sure. Uh, you almost get annoyed. And then, I'm, you know, then, of course, I have to, I have to berate myself for, for having been annoyed at my kid for wanting to <laughs> interact and play, right? This is, there's always some kind of a, of a backlash. But the idea here is that these programs will be uh, the general approach that we take towards life. Yeah. And so it, it, this is what ultimately, let's go back to the happiness and joy factor. This is what makes me happy because all this stuff are pushing me more and more Uh, every day in every way, as uh, Tony Robbins says, into realizing who I am, mm. into consciously realizing who I am, why I'm here, and if I were to die tomorrow, not today, tomorrow, <laughs> if I were to die tomorrow, then I would be in a state of uh, completion. I would feel like hey, you know, the majority of my time was spent well because I was 
constantly evolving into what I needed to evolve into. Yeah. So and that's that's yeah. that's what I referred to at the start, where it's the point that Mark Manson makes, which is that the closest thing to happiness is this idea that we're overcoming something, we're challenging, being, being, being challenged by something. So if it's something creative that you're doing, you're putting all of yourself into the process of trying to create. And by virtue of doing that, you then get some sense, you get a rush, you get a sense of joy um, around the fact that you've achieved it. And his, his point is that you then, if you want to experience joy again, you need to go and find another challenge and another thing to create because it's, it's in all of this process of going after these things and solving them that gives us that constant sense of rush. And the irony is that we spend our time thinking that being happy is not being confronted by any of these issues. It's like, mm -hmm. if I was happy, I would be happy if I didn't have to deal with any of this shit that comes up for me in my life. And the reality is that it's only when you are faced with that shit in your life and you're taking it on and you find solutions to it, that's actually what makes you happy. That gives you the sense of joy. But we actually think that it's the other thing. We think it's the avoidance of it. We think it's that it's not having any problems is the state of happiness. And that's what we wish we had. Right, exactly. And I, as I like to think of um, that, that path, that uh, process, uh, to me, happiness is the hero's journey. Yes. And, and the hero's journey will never happen if we find ourselves uh, in an element of comfort in the first place. Sure. Because we talk, I think we talked about that last week where comfort will never, any kind of comfort, any kind of comfortable situation, even if it is miserable, but if it's not a kicking you in the ass in, in some way, is there to stop you from evolving. Because if you can just sit back and watch Netflix and drink beer uh, and eat potato chips all day, mm -hmm. if you can do that, if you can afford doing that, then you will do that. Yeah. Right? Unless, of course, something from inside, it's always something from inside, even if it's prompted by, by seemingly something from the outside. Uh, it, if you get inspired by something that happens around you, that's not because of what happened around you. It's because something inside of you matched that frequency. And so yeah. it, it made sense to you, right? Um, so uh, there is one of those activities that has been, uh, of course, overhyped these days, past few years. And it is, is it something that we should dedicate one whole episode to? It is uh, the journey with the grandmother ayahuasca medicine. For me, life is an ayahuasca journey. Happiness, rather. Just because we're talking about happiness. Happiness is an ayahuasca journey. Now, if you're familiar with mostly what goes on during an ayahuasca journey, especially if you are a beginner, let's say, it's excruciating. There is, there is no way anyone can go through that process 
and be like, oh, let's do that again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> now not to say, of course, when you, this is the hero's journey in, in one single night. When, you, when you're on the other end of it, of course, you feel, you feel the benefits, usually, hopefully. Uh, but this isn't something that, you know, it's not like taking ecstasy, you know, and like, oh, we should do that again. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the, the first few times that I partook in rituals like that, in this particular ritual, uh, in a shamanic format, proper shamanic format, and by that, I mean not flying to Costa Rica, checking into a, a luxury resort and, uh, you know, meeting a very prestigious shaman with 21 feathers on his headdress. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, of course, having said that, I'm not here to judge how other people uh, do choose to partake in their particular journeys that they undergo. But the bottom line here is that comfort and continuous joy is, to me, some sort of a mental illness, some sort of a problem. It's a problem <laughs> because the mind is here to resolve stuff. The mind is here to, to work. And the mind's work is taking something that's a challenge, taking something that is perceived as a, as a problematic issue, and finding ways around it, problem solving, mm. finding out why it presents uh, itself as an obstacle, and finding how to turn that obstacle into something that is uh, generating more wisdom and more power for the individual, you know, more prosperity, but however you want to define power. Sure. But once you find yourself within the journey itself, you cannot expect that it's going to be a, a constant trip, you know, and if it's not, because this is what we talk like you, we see a, a, one of the entrepreneurial celebrities uh, that, that present themselves. Like, now, of course, they went through hell. They must have to be where they are today, right? But that's, they're not going to tell you that because that's, that's never going to attract anyone's, uh, anyone's attention. Mm. Right? You know, you, you always hear the, the, the story of the accomplishment. Hey, I climbed Everest 27 times. That's, that's what attracts people. Oh, my God. I can do that too. If he can do it, I can do it. Actually, they tell you, if I can do it, you can do it. But the question is, why, why would you want to do it? See, you, you get, we, we get too obsessed with that hook because it is, it's a hook. Sure. They actually call it a hook too. From a, in marketing terms, terminology, this is a hook. If I'm about to sell you something, I'm going to throw it in a, in a fashion that will hook you. And you will not want to turn away from it. You will get fascinated. And you will not rest until you have bought, fully bought into it. But that can be, and it is in most cases, just another massive distraction. 
that throws you for a loop. And, you know, imagine doing these sort of things all the time without having the critical ability to sit back and, and take inventory of what just happened. No, if people are just chasing, so, oh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, <laughs> everybody's just following something, the pursuit of happiness. Um, and so you end up just following shit. You're just a follower because no one's, everybody, you know, people say, oh, you should be a leader. <laughs> but what, what is that? How can you extract the element of leadership out of this society? Like, what is it in our daily experience that says be a leader? Everything is about, by the way, you have this amazing uh, almost halo. Like, it's, it's like <clears throat> you're becoming Jesus tonight. <laughs> very, very I, I did actually notice that, that I'm feeling a very, very godly presence here. Yes. So, so okay. So that you, you could be God. And I would be Lucifer in that case. Yeah, yeah. So can I, just something that comes up for for me in terms of what you're saying. So so you're saying that that when people are in this constant um, sort of almost pursuit of um, achieving things and like climbing that high mountain and climbing the next high mountain and you know, the, the, the buzz that they get from doing it, but they're, it's almost like it all feels quite hollow because the reason that they're doing it is because of just the accomplishment rather than because it's something that has any real meaning. And that when you see some of these celebrities, uh, social media people, etc., saying, well, I've just rode solo down that particular river and I've just climbed that particular mountain. These things are portrayed as if they are major accomplishments. And obviously they're no mean feats, but they're being put to people as if this is what you need to be doing in order to live full lives. When in fact, all you need to do to live a full life is to take on whatever challenges and problems that you need to face, take them on head on and go about trying to solve them. And in the process of solving them, you're learning and growing and you're developing and you're becoming closer to the spirit that you uh, actually are inherently. You don't need to do all this wild stuff that's good for PR and good for social media, but it's just not relevant. Am I? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Once again, it's all related to being sold uh, something. Yeah. I can relate to a specific uh, domain, which I'm sure you can as well. The domain of being or turning into an uh, entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur or turning into an entrepreneur. Uh, And in my understanding, most people have that backwards, the reason why they need to do that. Yeah. It, 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 it turns out that the reason why most people want to be entrepreneurs is because they either think it's easier than being someone's employee yeah. or, and of course you make so much more money or they look at the glory aspects of it. You know, like, Oh, I'm going to do that and then show everyone. Look, I'm just like Gary V, mm. you know, but 
from where I'm standing, the reason why everyone in some shape or form should be an entrepreneur is because this is the only way for you to utilize yourself as a tool, as, a, as an entity that is fully capable of finding solutions in your life, finding ways to provide not just livelihood, not just being able to feed your family in your own way without looking for someone else to give you a handout. Because let's face it, it is a handout even if you're working for it, right? Yeah. You know, this is the whole, we talked about that before, we were talking about Santa Claus. Many people, even adults, they look at the concept of Santa Claus as, oh, he's so nostalgic. I love those days. You know, why don't we just ask Santa Claus for some things, put it on the list, and then it would just appear. It was so magical. And, and I'm sorry, but I, I don't feel at all like that. I used to, I am a victim of that. Talk about programming, man. You know, this was one of my, this was one of my negative programs one of my limiting beliefs you say if you will because i was that kid i was that kid that was so so obsessed with santa claus waiting so i don't know i'm gonna stay up and wait i'm not i'm not going to sleep with this no not this time no sorry bob <laughs> and of course i kid you not i was less excited about the fact that i received the gifts that I asked for than the fact that I actually didn't get a chance to meet that mother father because that's, <laughs> that was more important to me, right? So what do we get and why do we get what we get from Santa Claus? And of course, that's a parenthesis, but you know, it, I think it matches the concept of happiness and joy. <clears throat> so what is the trick of getting what you asked for? Uh, from Santa, what's the trick? You have to, of course, write a letter, <laughs> dear Santa. <laughs> and of course, provided that uh, your parents give a shit or they, they, you know, have the money to fulfill your wishes. And I hope they do, because then what happens is that Santa Claus ends up being an asshole. Right? Or that means that you, you were just not good enough. Because you have to be good, you see. You have to be a good boy or a good girl the entire year for Santa to grant you those wishes. Yeah? Because if you're an asshole, Santa's going to be like, no, you get coal, which I would actually prefer because at least that's a source of energy. I can use that, mother father. So you have to be a good boy. What does that entail? What does that mean? You know, talk about indoctrination, man. What the? Okay. I'm just going to calm down. You're a kid. You're a little child. And what do you learn from this experience? If I'm a good boy and a good girl, which means what? If I am obedient enough, Santa will bring me this, <laughs> this bullshit that it is that I'm asking for. But if I'm not, then I get, I get the call. Mm. So what does, that, what does that tell the subconscious mind of a, a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old, what? What does it say? It says two things. Number one, I have to be obedient 
which is what the motto of this society, right? Shut the F up and do what you're told or else. And number two, if you're not obedient, you don't get shit. So there's consequences to that. Either one will lead you down a certain path. When that critical factor just pops his ugly head and, and, and says, starts thinking about stuff. And I had that. Actually, I had that, believe it or not. And I was, I don't know, like five years old. And I would think about that. Why are there all these conditions <laughs> to, to getting stuff from Santa? Why do I have to be one? I thought Santa was like all love, right? Why does he have to make me do shit in order to give me that stuff? How is that love? This is an exchange, man. I mean, he might as well tell me, look, you know, put uh, like a tooth there. You know what I mean? Like you exchange a tooth. <laughs> you put a tooth down there, you know, underneath your pillow, and then you get money. I understand that. I get it. This is a fair exchange in today's world. <laughs> but why are you going to try to convince me that Santa is like this personification of Jesus, if you will, right? All loving, but, all loving, but, there's always conditions. But you got to be good. And what does that equate to? Being good is being obedient. Yeah. And if you are obedient repeatedly, <laughs> at that age, what does this turn you as an adult, my brother? It turns you into a slave because that's what a slave is. A slave is someone who is convinced, and what does it mean to be convinced? Have a program created within their subconscious mind that unless I be this, I'm not going to be rewarded. If I'm not going to be rewarded, that means I suck. Everyone will hate me. And we talked about social media and all this stuff, which is exactly that same concept, right? Unless you post something, people are like, oh, puppies, oh, kitties, holy shit, this is so cute. Or, you know, <laughs> you, know you post stuff that makes most people's uh, inner child, most people's subconscious mind uh, be overflowed with joy, right? Or, or like, you know, like a delicious food or whatever. <laughs> These are the people who get the like, 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 or really, you know, funny something, funny, <laughs> right? This is, this is what this is. This is what this is about. It's about reward and punishment. Don't you dare say what you want to say if it's going to displease most people and Mr. Facebook, of course, most of all, mm. and he will punch you in the face for 30 days, right? Does this make sense? So, so is the pursuit of happiness part of the slavery? Yes, I think so, yeah. The pursuit of happiness is that, yes. It's that kind of slavery because I am running after a carrot constantly, mm. constantly. And it's been, this has been told to me that this makes me free, right? <laughs> yeah. I've been told since I'm a kid that that pursuit of happiness makes me free. It is the outcome of my freedom mm. to be chasing a carrot all my life. 
You know what I mean? It's like a Bucks Bunny episode. <laughs> the Elmer Fudd, right? He's trying to get Bucks Bunny. This is what it is. That's, that's right there. The pursuit of happiness is Elmer Fudd trying to get Bugs Bunny. Or uh, the Wiley Coyote trying to get uh, Roadrunner. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they could come up with like the most, their life was consumed with that pursuit. But you know what I mean? Like you could see you know, Elmer Fudd couldn't just go chill. No, man. He said, another day we're going to get up and get that fucking rabbit. <laughs> Same with like uh, the Wiley Coyote, you know, super genius. He's super genius, right? So he would come up with the most extravagant ways to get that motherfucker. And he never could. And the most interesting part of it all, he was super, he was way more intelligent than the Roadrunner, right? The Roadrunner was like, yeah, whatever. And he could never get it. Now, if that's not a metaphor for the pursuit of happiness, I don't know what is. Perhaps it's the system laughing back at us, buying this shit, man, and trying to emulate it. I don't know, am I being too harsh here? So what, what do we need to do to reframe things, to, to release ourselves from this, you know, it's almost like we're on a treadmill, trying to find, you know, trying to reach that thing that keeps, because we're running and it keeps moving away from us. And what do we need to do to, to shift our focus or to reframe what we're looking at? Well, the first thing we need to do is want to, wanting to do it. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> information. I mean, I think what we're, we're providing here is, is, is information. And I mean, for a lot of people, what we're saying will be a bit of a shocker in some respects. Um, it will be a kind of a, a paradigm shifter if we're because lucky. it's not, this isn't the kind of stuff that is normally put out there. That's for sure. This is why we have so many followers. Yeah. <laughs> well, people think we're mad. <laughs> we are. We are, my friend. And um, God bless us for that. Yeah, because obviously if a narrative went out that we, we shouldn't be pursuing this myth called happiness, then most of the advertising industry would be down the pan overnight. Absolutely. And, and so would most religious organizations because... You know, why would people want to follow you? You know, all that sort of stuff. So it's back to this piece of, you know, what is it that we should be looking to follow? What, it, what should we be looking to pursue if pursuit is the right thing? So pursue the heart. Pursue our own heart. Yeah. Is that. But I mean, this in and of itself is very hard when you can't even tell anymore. I mean, look at, uh, you know, all the programs and stuff we're talking about. Sure. Right? People don't know what the difference between their heart and their mind programming is in many cases. Mm. Right? Like, I love, let me give you an example. Like, you know, a a vulgar one, but a good good example nonetheless. Uh, Most people have, when it comes to, uh, what they're sexually attracted to, right? They have a type. Yeah. Like, right? And they're like, you know, they see like this person, this specific kind of type, and in, at a party or whatever, and it's strike a conversation, I'm like, oh, I'm in love. It's just that people get in, you know, fall in love all, all the time. But 
someone would say, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Falling in love is awesome. Of course it is. I, myself, have fallen in love hundreds of times. <laughs> now, talk about happiness, however. Where did that get me? The idea here is that being in love because of my programming that says, oh, that specific type, this is it. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever the attributes are, right? And, uh, and I see that and I embrace that. And I'm like, yes, I love you. No, you don't. You don't. Because you have a skewed perspective of what it is that you're chasing after being what's in your heart or what's in your mind in terms of conditioning and, and programming. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that by saying that I, I'm making this even harder, but the idea here is this, okay? I, on this specific topic, since I, I just mentioned this, how would you choose the appropriate mate if what you wanted was a soulmate. You know, most people, a lot of people say, oh, I, want my, I need my soulmate. Oh, I a soulmate. It's bullshit. It's just, most people are not looking for a soulmate. They're not. They say, they think they are because that's also a very romantic concept. Mm. But to have, to be living with a soulmate, I know because I'm living with one, is <laughs> like an ayahuasca journey in of itself. Mm. You know, it is, to have your ass kicked at any given point is to have all the shit that you carry be pointed out <laughs> in your face at any given day. Do you know what I mean? This is like, this isn't, you know, being in, in Hawaii and just sip whatever, Mexico and sipping margaritas. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not, this is, that's not what this is about. And that's why going back to the purpose and the happiness factor. The happiness factor is like, if I see this, I see you uh, out there, my friend uh, Vincent, and uh, you know, let's say I was, I was a girl, right? And, uh, or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't matter. So I see you're like, oh, this dude is so handsome. He's, he's just so gentle and so, uh, I don't know, considerate. And I, lo I love him. I want to be with him for the rest of my life. Right, but what are you basing that on? Some external characteristics and some just a fleeting um, chemistry that is nature's way of wanting to procreate. That's all. That's all. Yeah. It's all that's there. I mean, there's nothing else here. This has nothing to do with soul because nature doesn't give a shit about your soul. Mm. On this plane, all that nature cares about is you having the desire to procreate. Mm. And so these programs serve that. And most people, all we are, me, at the, <laughs> the forefront, at the forefront of this group have been, most of us have no idea. And it took for me, literally it took for me, so many times of crushing completely because of these choices that I was making that had nothing to do with love, which I thought 
Yeah. It did. It took so many repetitions for that for then for my critical factor, my critical thinking to come up and say, yo, maybe you should look at what it is that you're choosing here because you are the only common denominator in this setup. And and I started to understand that this is not what love is. Love is evolution. Love is having someone next to you that will punch you in the face when they think that what you're doing is distracted to yourself. Mm. When they don't see you evolve in the way that you want to evolve and you put them there as a reflection, as a mirror, so that they can hopefully help you get your head out of your own ass when that happens. And it happens a lot, believe me. I don't know. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah. When, it's linked, when that's linked to, when, that, when we look at that in the context of love, what we're essentially saying is that love is about, it's, it's not all the better roses. It's not all getting on with each other 24-7. It's not all everything been wonderful and happy because actually if you were in that situation, we just get bored. And I suppose in a similar way, what we've been saying about happiness is that happiness isn't all the better roses. Happiness isn't nothing ever not going right or not going wrong. Or um, It's not everything been easy and there never being any problems. It's about all of those things been in there, but you, you have a perspective on life, a perspective on this journey, which is that bring on the next problem, bring on the next challenge, I want to face it. I want to learn from it. I want to grow from it because that's why I'm here. So it's, as you said early on, once you get to the realization that, that this is actually a learning process, this is a learning journey, and you're not trying to get through it with the least amount of hassle possible, which is the way most people perspective or, or, or see it. Once you get to that place, then you are living out your purpose. You're living out with awareness in a way that that is a real definition of happiness. It's not about it all been fluffy. It's just about knowing that this is the way we need to be in order to learn and grow. That's right. I couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. That's a beautiful summation. And you mentioned the bed of roses before. And I was going to say, it's not a bed of roses, it's a bed of nails. So this is what happens. The moment you train yourself to be utterly comfortable sleeping on this bed of nails, mm. you will know true happiness because then you are a gangster. Nothing can fuck with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. From where I'm standing, that's the pure definition of, of happiness. Happiness is the point where nobody can have you pursue shit. Nothing. No, nothing. Nobody can have me run and be distracted. You know, like you, you're showing me something today. And I'm like, oh, shit, I, I should have that. <laughs> you know, nothing can get me off of my trance. And that trance is me being hyper-focused on my life, mm. literally my life, my life force 
and understanding that I am here to prepare. Now that's going to get very Buddhist real, real fast, but we're here to prepare for death. Yes. Uh, and that sounds macabre. I understand it to most people. Like, oh, no, it's bullshit. You know, I'm here. I have a good, good time. Okay. Everyone, everyone needs to define that for themselves. But if you're here to have a good time, all I have to say is good luck. (laughs) Because the amount of time you will spend actually having a good time, it's going to be this much versus like an ocean of, of being troubled like a mother father in your quest to have a good time. Yeah. So the question is, is it worth it? Yeah. Cool. I think we, were we adequate? I think so. You know, I, 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 I certainly learned a good bit. You know, I think it's about, it's, it's emphasized the thing for me about reframing things. It's, it's about, um, and I think actually, um, have you ever heard of Ryan Holiday? Yes, of course. Yeah, so Ryan Holiday. So one of his books is called The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. And I think that sums it up. I mean, it's, it's about accepting the fact that it's not a bed of roses. It's not, you know, soft and fluffy. It's actually about going in head on knowing that this stuff is going to be rough. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be, in a lot of cases, humiliating. But if we keep in mind... Pardon? Painful. Painful, yes. But if we keep in mind that actually, that is actually the, that is the real course. That is why we're here. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, Rather than it be something that we're trying to avoid which I think is what most people want. Because I, I actually, as you were speaking there, what came into my mind was that for a lot of people, happiness is the avoidance of pain or right. the avoidance of hassle. Yes. Whereas actually happiness is the embracing of pain and hassle and mm-hmm. difficulty and struggle because it's only through that that we're going to get that joy, that sense of growth as we move forward. That's so, right. Yeah. Yes. And, and we, we've talked about that, right? Uh, yeah. Previous episode, that yeah. it is because we've been so wonderfully conditioned to want to avoid pain, yeah. we are taking advantage of so masterfully. Absolutely. Yeah. And we suffer even more pain as a result. Mm-hmm. That's the irony. And because of that, we go and buy some more stuff that will then help us deter the present pain. This is like a, you know, like a pharmaceutical commercial. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would you like to, how would you like to live your life, you know, and they show like this, whatever, this person that is living blissfully, you know, skipping over the, you know, the waves at this wonderful beach and... <laughs> smiling from ear to ear, you know, about, oh my God, now I'm free. Finally, I don't have to deal with this bullshit that was, uh, you know, giving me so much pain. But, but then the, the, the side effects are like, yeah. 
<laughs> a hundred times more painful than the actual freaking thing. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. You know, it was, there was a, based on that, there was this brilliant um, cartoon that I had seen a while ago. The doctor is talking to the patient and saying, well, you know, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the problem that you are having uh, is going to pale in comparison <laughs> to the side effects that you, <laughs> yeah. that you will suffer. You know, you would much rather live with the, with the pain, the original pain, than mm -hmm. have to deal with the side effects. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That sums it up. This is life right there. Absolutely. Good. Once again, we've managed to uh, talk longer than the 10 minutes that we both thought we could talk. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how, how like, I wasn't paying attention to any kind of timing here. So yeah, I don't know. I think you, might have, you might have some editing issues. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah. No better man. <laughs> That's right. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much once again. And you were being uh, particularly eliminated today. I was. Quite literally and uh, figuratively. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Felt that. like a deity. Yes, as you are, of course. Mm. That's why I chose you because, yeah. you know, you're that kind of person. Yeah, yeah. You're my spiritual soulmate. I want to thank everyone for suffering through this one. <laughs> And that we will be back, and that's not a threat, next week, next Wednesday. And as always, let's be careful out there. And don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.